Hey, good evening again, everybody. So glad to see you guys. Uh, we did have a fun day out at the uh, inline hockey. It's been a full, full weekend already uh, for a bunch of us. Um, but you know, the thing is that uh, what I love is just that getting to meet some of the, the new families, getting to meet some of the kids, getting to uh, meet brothers. <laughs> or I didn't actually get to meet, but I know that we had brothers, got to meet family, dads, that uh, sometimes we don't get a chance to do that. So um, yeah, when you have have that time you know might skating might not be your thing sometimes it's just to go and meet some folks so uh those things we'll have different things coming up as well hey a couple weeks ago though we started a brand new series i just calling it kingdom and it's talking about the kingdom of god and we started by saying you know in order to understand the kingdom of god we have to understand the gospel that jesus preached because he wasn't talking about just social change he wasn't talking about just me getting saved and and as long as I'm going to heaven or as long as I said that prayer but he talked about the gospel of the kingdom and that God was trying to do something and moving in our world as well as what God is doing in the heavenly realm and so we talked a little bit about that in the first week and last week we talked about some of the basics of citizenship in God's kingdom that's it's it's open to everybody right that it's not restricted to uh, if you had some bad breaks in life that you know if you had a loss in life that all of a sudden you're not open to being blessed God says this that it doesn't hinder that whatever it is that you've been through aren't you guys glad that whatever you've been through hasn't doesn't hinder God in his ability to bless you right it says that blessed are the poor or you've mourned or you've been persecuted whatever the case right and so we talked about that and and that as all God loves us as we are he definitely doesn't want us to just stay as we are and so we talked about this aspect that God's building our character and he's causing us to grow because we have to understand kingdom living and kingdom norms rather than just the simple norms of the world and so this evening we're continuing that and we're going to talk a little bit about kingdoms in conflict you know I read recently this week I read a line I was just skimming you know uh, through some of the articles I wasn't even really reading I just was reading headlines and one of the taglines I saw was that we're not seeing a world war but we're seeing a world at war and, you know, I think they probably went on to describe about what's happening, obviously, in, in Israel and the Gaza Strip. And they're probably talking about how, you know, the tension throughout the Middle East because of that, especially among all the Arab neighbors. They're talking about what's happening, still going ongoing. Can you believe it's still going on in Ukraine and Russia? Now, all the tensions that are still happening in, uh, in the Pacific with China and basically all of their neighbors um, um, and how U.S., you know, we're making military adjustments. And if you know anybody who uh, is in the military, you, you, you know that there's adjustments that are being made to kind of orient us to some future conflict potentially uh, in, in the Pacific. And so we see all these kinds of things that are happening. Maybe it doesn't take very long to think in terms of what's happening just in our own country that, that seeing sometimes the, that what even happened with Israel, that there's all of a sudden there's a tension between those who support Israel in the midst of the kind of unprecedented really level of um, not just terrorism but just savagery right just uh, the rape of innocent women the, the killing of children the the uh, the kind of a taking over and hostages of just innocent it wasn't uh, uh, designed to uh, be military in any way it was designed to kill average citizens over 1300 right so you see that those who support israel and then those who support hamas and all of a sudden it's like wait what what's going on and it's like we can't it's just that you some call something white and somebody calls it black right and we sense some of that kind of tension that maybe over the last few years that we saw the same thing happen during you know the time of pandemic or when things were flash mobs of teens ravaging businesses so we see conflict it's been a crazy few years and frankly i don't see it getting better apart 
from the move of God. And so this evening what we're saying is because we're seeing a world, when you look at the world and you read the news or you see what's going on in your neighborhood or you see what's going on in your industry or you see what's going on in, uh, sometimes it's even in your family and there you sense the tension. And some of us, to be honest, um, this week you're gonna get together with family and some people I hear, you know, they don't wanna get together with their family because there's a little bit of tension. Some of them, they, they, there's a little bit of disagreement, right? And so there's this aspect. And so what we are actually seeing in the physical world is really a mirror of what's happening in the spiritual world. Because what happens in the spiritual world definitely affects what happens in the physical world and what happens in the physical world is, affects what happens in the spiritual world. And so what we're seeing, this aspect of rebellion and violence or corruption, right? It's, it, these things are happening on more than one level. And so maybe today we don't, it's very difficult maybe to find common ground on, on what is truth or what is uh, what the values that we were raised with, right? So maybe the capacity to, to negotiate, the capacity to accept people who have different views. There are people who have a different view of you. They're not your enemy, right? They're not people to, to, to silence. They're, sometimes there's this aspect of being able to work together for the common good. But all of these physical expressions are because they're reflections of what's happening in the spiritual world. Now, I'm not undercutting the need for sometimes maybe more increased political debate or for people to move to, uh, to have some kind of hands-on way of making a change in your community or whatever, but the upheaval of values, the discord that you feel is really because there's a conflict that's happening in the heavenly realms. The war of values, the war of ideas are kingdom conflicts. That the kingdom of darkness as opposed to the kingdom of light, the scripture talks about. And, and it says that the, the things that are going on are not just you, know, you not getting along with somebody or your company not getting along with their neighbor or one country not getting along or people of political differences not getting along. The scripture says ultimately, ultimately, your enemy is not your neighbor. Ultimately, your neighbor is not the person that you can see. Ultimately, your neighbor is an enemy you cannot actually even see. And so it says it like this. We're gonna read together in Ephesians 6, 12. And would you be kind enough, let's stand in reverence for God and reverence for his word. And we're gonna read together. Let's read, ready? Begin. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. And you may not see them, although some people have a capacity, but you've probably felt them. You've probably felt it. And unseen doesn't mean unfelt, but God says this, that when you're gonna fight a spiritual battle, you need to use tools and mechanisms and, and uh, uh, kind of strategies that are meant to triumph in the spiritual realm. If you're fighting a purely physical battle, you need strategies and tools and, and, and mechanisms that will work in the physical realm. But God is saying this, that there is ultimately a spiritual enemy. And so before you're seated, do me a favor, turn to your neighbor and say, you're not my enemy, right? The devil's my enemy. And then you can have a seat. Yeah. Because if we're not careful, he can... He confuses us. Because sometimes you, you get into it. You get into it, your friend. You get into it, your family member. You get into it with your spouse. And, and, and it feels like this person that, that once you're like, oh my, we were so tight. All of a sudden it feels like you're the enemy. And, and sometimes there's a spiritual component to these things. Now, 
The unseen being, un, uh, being unfelt is, is, of course, the furthest thing from what happens, but it does impact the physical world, and vice versa. What you and I do in this world impacts the spiritual world. So this might bring about some tension, though, because for some of us, you know, when you, we think about God, we understand God to be, you know, the Almighty God, right? That's what it says, El Shaddai. He is the highest God, El Elyon. He's the everlasting God that he's existed throughout time, right? So the El Olam, it, it says. So we, when we think about this, do you think, wait, if God is so powerful, why are the king, kingdoms in conflict then? Why is there even a battle? Because the issue, when you reread the scriptures, to be honest, it's, it's never about whether God is more powerful than the devil. That's really not what the Bible is about. It's, it's hands down, it's just not even a, it's not even a contest, right? It's, it's like you uh, in your strongest against, you know, like a brand new baby, right? It's not even, it's not even a contest with God. But well then, if that's the case, why, why is there this spiritual conflict? Why are there spiritual battles, you might ask yourself? Well, we talked a little bit in, the, in our first message that, that if we have a working definition of the kingdom of God, we said that it's this, the governing influence of a king over his territory, impacting it with his will, his purpose, and his intention, and that as a result, producing a people or citizens who reflect the culture of the king and the nature of the king. And so it does say very clearly that God is the almighty one, right? In Psalm 50, verse one, it says it like this. The Lord, the mighty one, is God, and he has spoken. He summoned all humanity from where the sun rises to where it sets. Goes on in verse 10, and it says this. For all the animals of the forest are mine. For some of us, it's a very familiar passage right here. And I own the cattle. What, on one hill? No, he says on a thousand hills. In other words, all, all the well-being, I mean, all the animals, right? He says, I know every bird on the mountains and all the animals of the field are mine. If I were hungry, I wouldn't even tell you because all the world is mine and everything in it. So the scriptures are very clear that talks about, yes, God is, right, powerful. It, he does have the rightful ownership. He is the rightful king. But there is also a whole other realm that we don't see, Right? There is a whole other realm that we, we don't see, the heavenly places, the spiritual dimension. And we have clues of this unseen realm that God describes in the scriptures, right? In the beginning, it says this, that in Genesis 1:26, yes, he created the heavens and the earth. In verse 26, so it says this. He says, then God said, let us make human beings in our image. Would you do me a favor? Let's say, let us. Right, not lettuce, but let us. Right, so you have food afterwards, but not lettuce. And and so when we say let us, who is the us? And depending on where you've, how you've been raised in the faith, and maybe where you've gone, sometimes people will say the us. Some people will say is this: it's it's God in in the the triune God, the the fact of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the one God. Right, the the Yahweh that He is that us. And some, they say it's the uh, plural of majesty. It's like when the king in a, in a country says, well, we will do this, is a, right? And it's like what they're saying, it's, it's we, it's just you, one person saying that, right? The king, right? So they call it the plural of majesty. But there is another view of that, is that, that he's talking about the heavenly hosts, that he's talking about Spiritual beings, angelic beings, people like uh, uh, the in the unseen realm that there are beings that are there that preceded the physical world. You see, when God made the physical world, it's it's the physical world is dependent on the spiritual world, not the opposite way. You see that the spiritual world preceded, and so everything that comes out of that is dependent still on the spiritual world. And so this is what he's saying. Well, there were spiritual things, spiritual beings, but also the fact that there was conflict even in the spiritual realm, even before there was a physical realm. Revelation 12, 9, uh, 7 to 9 kind of give us an insight to this. 
And it says this. Can we read that together? It says this. Then there was what? War in heaven. And so if you've ever struggled because, man, what's wrong? You know, in our family, we having, you know, all these arguments. Well, if there can be war in heaven, you know, like, to be honest, you can have arguments in your family. You can have arguments in this world. And it says, but Michael and his angels fought against the dragon and his angels, and the dragon lost the battle, and he and his angels were forced out of heaven. Well, where did they go then? To be honest, it talks about to the earth, right? It does. And it, and it says, so there is a tension then as a result. That because although God is sovereign, he also created free moral agents. Now, what do I mean by free moral agents? That we have a capacity to make moral decisions and that we are unforced and uncompelled to make those decisions. In other words, you can really choose to follow or not follow. You can really choose to do something bad or do something good. You can freely choose. Now, some people talk about the predestination, and, and it's almost as if that all the decisions that you will ever make are predestined by God. I really don't believe that's even close to being true. I believe God knows what you will ultimately choose. I believe God has the foreknowledge the scripture talks about. But if he chose every decision you ever made, what would you do? Probably like, what, what difference does it make then, right? What difference does it make? But every part of the scripture, what does it call us to do? It says that it's how you choose, how you choose to live, how you choose to follow, right? Moses said this, as for me and my house, we have served the Lord, right? But you, what will you decide here or Israel, right? Our, the Lord our God is one God, but we will serve him. But what will you do? And so we find that God made not just people free moral agents. He made angels and spiritual beings as free moral agents. They had a capacity to choose. Though they did not have sin, they didn't have to. There was a capacity to. And it says that part of that the brokenness in the world was preceded by a brokenness even in the spiritual realm. And so the original sin on earth was rebellion toward God and the original sin in heaven was what? Rebellion toward God. And so we see a mirroring in the world that what happens in the heavenly realms often affects us in the physical world. So when you see social upheavals, expressions of, re, uh, of changes, massive changes in the social structure of, of societies, of our societies, of what we think now is right and wrong. Many of us have heard this, this prophetic word that in the last days they're gonna call good evil and evil good, right? And that today, if you were to think in terms of how we viewed what was right and what was wrong, in terms of relationships, in terms of sexuality, in terms of what would we say if you just were 10 years ago? It would be unrecognizable. But it says things will change. Why is that? It's not because people are inherently evil. Right? It's, that's not the point. People, the scripture is not saying people are inherently evil, but they are saying that they're broken and imperfect. And as a result, sometimes the choices that they make, right? But here's what it's saying. All of those things and what we're seeing, it's really a, a rebellion against God and his creation. And so many of the things we see, it's that. And so what is the result then? The result is that that you and I, that how many of you guys think Hawaii is a beautiful place? Raise your hand, right? Yeah, lucky little Hawaii, right? That's the saying, and then we grew up that, and it's like if you go out of places, you recognize, yes, there's beauty in other places, but somehow, somehow there's something like, there's, there's no place like here, right? There's no place like home. There's, and, and then when we see that, but regardless that you and I, that we live in this world because of the result of what happens in the heavenly realms and what happens in the heavenly realms affect what's happening in the earthly realms. It might be beautiful, but it's still a battlefield. You see, there are 
kingdoms that are at war, the kingdom of God and the kingdom of darkness are at war. And we have to accept that in the seen world, as well as the unseen world, these two interact. And if we want to win, in some sense, the battle of God's kingdom, the, the, the battle we win is not gonna be won with a gun. It's not gonna be won with a, a jet or a missile or a tank. Although these things are necessary in modern life in some sense, right? That countries need a capacity to defend themselves. But the kingdom of God is gonna be won in a different way. And how we will win, it's, it's not just about power, but it's going to be about choosing God and his way. You see, God doesn't make you love him, right? He acts kindly in your life. He loves you and he allows you to respond to his love. He doesn't just change you with the, the wave of his hand and you are just a passive thing and all of a sudden you never, you know, I'm always like super impatient, but God just did this thing and I'm patient all the time. Well, you probably had a lobotomy then. No, but I, you know, it doesn't happen that way. That, that God invites you to participate with him, partner with him in life. And then as a result of his kindness in your life, you, you might get a little more kind. Because God's patience with you allows you to give a little bit more patience to the next person, right? And generally, that's the way it works. But so why is there still conflict, though, if God is all-powerful? The devil's not. Some of you guys might be wondering, doesn't the devil know that he's going to lose the battle? He does. He does. Right? But... Hey, there, can we just say, can we just admit that there's a, there's a mindset, sometimes it's a local mindset, like even if you know you're going to lose a fight, there's some of us that we go like, it's all right, but I'll go make them pay, <laughs> right? You guys know what I'm saying? The devil is the same way. He knows he has limited time. He knows he will lose, but like most rebels, until that time, I'm going to do what I can. That's the way he operates. And so the, the fact is, the victory is already won. At the end, just go to the end of the book. <laughs> Read what happens in chapter 22. Jesus wins at the end. It's already written. It's, that part is preordained. But here's the part is that it doesn't stop the enemy from fighting now. It doesn't stop him from trying to mess up your family. It doesn't stop him from trying to mess up uh, our society. It doesn't stop him from trying to mess up the world. And so he is ultimately a rebel, and it says a thief and a liar and a murderer, right? And so we live then, you know what that means? We live in a battlefield. You live in a battlefield. And as a result, because of our sin and God's structure, that he says that, you know what? That when we made errors and we chose to rebel, that we allowed that the enemy to become the one who rules in this world. This is what it says in 2 Corinthians 4, 4. Satan who is what? the God of this world has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. They are unable to see the glorious light of the good news. So if you see people that you go like, man, how can they not see the goodness of God? How can they not experience the goodness of God? You can stay in the same environment, the same service. You can see the same, you can see the same miracle. You could pray to be in a place where somebody prayed that same prayer and somebody is weeping and somebody is bored to tears. Why is that? The scripture is saying, sometimes it's because Satan has blinded the minds of those who don't believe and they are unable to see the glorious light of the good news, and they don't understand this message about the glory of Christ. This is a spiritual battle. 
And some of us, before you tell your friends about Jesus, tell Jesus about your friends. Because if you want them to be able to receive, sometimes you got to pray, God, would you open the eyes that are blinded? Would you blind the spirits that blind my kids or blind my parents or, or blind my friends? Because they know you. And a lot of us, they know that, hey, we came from the same place. We're not saying we're better than you. Right? We, you know my history is the same as yours. But somehow they look at you different, right? And they said, ah, there's a spirit of blindness. You need to pray that that would be bound. So we accept there's a, obviously an unseen world. And this interaction means there's conflict. There's battle. And because the issue isn't just power, it's about choosing God and his kingdom, then, then we gotta love God and press forward, right? And then whatever devils or demons or unclean spirits, knowing that they have a limited time, they will still do what those things will do. They will still do what rebels do, but he will still fight, but know that we can have the victory if we fight God's fight. We fight God's fight. For it says this, that whenever you, a person comes to Christ, this is what it says in Colossians 1.13. For he has rescued us from what? The kingdom of darkness. And transferred us where? Into the kingdom of his dear son, who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. Yeah. But first we gotta understand, this life is not gonna be perfect because we live on a battlefield. And what is it that you battle? What is it that you battle? Every one of us, we battle at least three things, right? Every one of us. That it says that one of the things that we battle is literally forces of darkness, spiritual forces of wickedness, principalities and powers in heavenly places. The demonic, right? The devil, all of that. That there is this aspect. And to be honest, that they tend to manifest themselves more openly in places they are worshipped. You know, some of you guys know that I was on, on staff at Campus Crusade and we would go to mission trips, take people all over the world, like I worked with college students here in Hawaii and in California. I was at a conference and, and uh, Campus Crusade is not so much really kind of open to all the moves of the spirit, but I remember asking, that, that we were at a conference and there were some guys in Thailand and they, they said this, they're, they're talking about, this is how we, we share the gospel. We, pray for somebody, we cast out the evil spirits, and then we lead them to Jesus. And I go like, that's a little bit different than the way we do it at UH, <laughs> right? You know what I mean? And, and the thing is that this aspect of spiritual darkness, the reason why they say that, it's because in Thailand where they're openly worshiped. You know, I, I've had friends who go in Thailand they're, and they're showing a, the Jesus film in a village and he said that as they're watching the Jesus film, they've watched the Jesus film many times because they show it in a village. And it just tells the story of the gospel, tells Jesus' like birth and all the way to his death, crucifixion. And then there's a gospel, you know, like a call prayer at the end. He said they're watching the, the thing on the side of the building. They're, they're showing the movie. And he said that as they're watching the film, they see the faces, like demonic faces, in the movie on the wall. This is like, like the guys I went to school with, the people that I, I've known like for years, like just local people. Why is that? Because the demonic shows itself more openly in places where it's worshiped. And so if you have people who do witchcraft, if you have people who call on spirits, and you might call self wicked, you might call yourself, you know, like uh, uh, an animist, whatever it is that you say, but in the places where it's more openly worshiped, they show themselves more openly. Does that mean that in the West, because we have technology, because we have science, because we have, you know, uh, um, education, that there's no more demonic? No, there's still demonic activity. It just shows itself differently. It just, it looks like a bad attitude. I mean, I'm not joking, but like sometimes it's just things that 
that you wouldn't think it, it, it still is active. Sometimes it gets suppressed when places that have preached the gospel and there has been breakthrough and revival, there is a sense of a spiritual breakthrough, but there's still the enemy. It's still a battlefield. And so understand that we will, uh, we will battle three things. One is the demonic. The second is the world. Now, when we say the world, we're not obviously talking about the earth, Right? We're not talking about the dirt that you stand on. We're not talking about, you know, like a government per se. It's not the globe, but it's like the spirit of this age. The Bible uses that term. That there is a spirit of this age. And and it's influences that when you live in the world, how many of you guys know that when you live in the world, you get some on you? Right? You get some you get some of all the trash that happens in the world we interact with that right just drive on the freeway during traffic hour right just just go in the mall at peak time and you're trying to you know stand in line to buy the thing on black friday you're going to see you're going to get some on you right you're going to get a little bit like you might get all the things that you want on your list but to be honest you probably could do a little bit of aggravation in the process right because why is it because People are evil. No, it's not. But you know what? This aspect of, of greed and consumerism and this, these kind of things that we throw out and we just call them, uh, you know, we, we, we just call it a value or we call it, you know, uh, some kind of a, an aspect, a different thing. But to be honest, that's the spirit of the age. That's the spirit of the world that we live in. And it can differ in different locales. It can differ in, in Hawaii, it's, it's different, right? In Hawaii, there's a little bit of a difference than like if you lived in New York City, right? Then if I lived in Tokyo, I mean, in Tokyo, to be honest, even though it's like millions of people, they're generally pretty nice. They're generally pretty polite. They just hate you on the inside. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> Kind of, but it can be depending on what you do. But there's this aspect. It's, it's the spirit of the age. And so the scriptures kind of talk about it like this. In 1 John 2, 16, this is what it says. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life come not from the Father, but where? From the world. How many times have you gotten an argument? How many times have you quit a job? How many times have you made a decision that is not in your best interest nor the best interest of those who love you because you couldn't back down? That's the spirit of the age, it says. It's the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, right? It's the spirit of the age. And that when you live in the world, you get some on you, right? So we battle that. The world and its desires pass away, but whoever does the will of God lives forever, he says. And the last part the, that we will battle is we will battle our flesh, right? How many of you guys battle, had to battle your flesh? How many of you felt tired? I don't want to go tonight, right? Like, you know, or some of us that, you know, you got in an argument before church, you go like, oh my gosh, like, nah, 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 nah. We don't, I don't feel like going to church, right? You, we get in this kind of situation, and, and, but you came anyway. You know why? Because the spirit in you was overpowering the, the flesh in you. Now, the flesh is not your body. Right? The flesh is not your body, but it's resident in your body. So, it be, because if we said the flesh was body, then look at your hand, and you would just say, your hand is evil then, <laughs> right? Your hand is not evil. Turn to your neighbor and says, my hand's not evil. <laughs> Inside, I'm, no, I'm just kidding. That's not what I'm saying. Um, but what is it? It's, it's a principle that resides. It's, it, it, it's a, it's a destructive influence that sometimes manifests like, yeah, in your earthly, your physical hunger, right? Or your, your emotional cravings that can, there's a, that it's, it, although it inhabits a fallen body, it is not your body, right? And one day that, that when we die and we go into the presence of the Lord, or if Jesus comes before all of that and he renews 
all things. He says he will change and in the twinkling of an eye, we shall be changed and we shall be what? Like him. And that the body that Jesus had that didn't have the sin kind of a principle in it that you and I, that you're not gonna, you're gonna have a physical body in that moment, but this is what he's saying. It's not gonna be like the body that you have now. It's not gonna have the same inclinations like it has now, the urge to sin that sometimes drags us down to lust, to whatever in those things. Because the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. And they are in what? Conflict with each other. So this kingdoms that are in conflict, some of it is, to be honest, in you, in your flesh. Some of it is the spirit of the world. And some of it is demonic. So how do you win in those moments? Well, to be honest, when you repent, and you trust and obey, right? We became children of God. But apart from that, or in, in light of that, that aspect, that when you continue to do that, that when you put your trust and you put your faith in God, when, when we allow His Spirit to empower us, not, not me just in doing it, but in my power, then God begins to do something different. He begins to uh, change us. He begins to... Uh, empower us he begins to give us an ability that's beyond my natural ability and last week this is what it says when we talked about it is that part of our role was to be the salt of the earth a preservative function about our society right so societies will change and 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 be corrupted when the people of God don't stand up there, there are nations in the world that are non-functioning, have non-functioning governments. So like when you hear about Somalia, you hear places like that. It's like there's people and there's people with guns and there's people trying to rule, but it's totally non-functioning government. There's, it's just tribal. It's just warlords. And what happens there's places like this in South Africa. Some of us, you follow, I don't know if you've ever followed what's happening in South Africa. It's, it's basically falling apart at the seams. <laughs> when the people of God do not stand up to say right is right and wrong is wrong, we are not called to do this. We're, and all of a sudden, all those things get tossed out the window. Then people start making a thing and just saying, well, you're wrong because you're the wrong color. Or I can treat you a different way because about how you were born or where you were born. All of a sudden, those things become normal in those countries. And, and so they begin to degrade. And so we are the salt of the earth. There's a preservative function when we stand up for what we know is right, when we stand up for God. But the other part is we shine a light into the world, right? There's a little bit of illumination we talked about. And so... In light of those things, in light of those things, in order for us to act or speak on God's behalf, you have to be intimately engaged with God, personally, in a personal relationship with God. You see, if you're going to be a, a person that represents God, who would you choose to represent you? Somebody you just met or somebody that you know well? Right? Some of us that, to be honest, you know who the most valuable employees sometimes that you have in your, in your team or your, it's like the guys who know, they, they don't just know what the right thing to do is, but they know how you think. You guys get people like that? You know, like they know what's important to you and they know how to communicate how you would communicate. That's the most important people, right? I've had people that they have represented me and he says, oh, because Glenn never liked that. And to be honest, they, you know what they did? They just threw me under the bus because that's not how I would have communicated that idea. And I would say, okay, given our situation, this is, this, you know, I would communicate it very differently. But when they communicate it like that, what does it make me seem like? I don't care. It's like, I just think my way is better than your way, right? So you have somebody who can communicate not just the decision you made, but the reason why right, the heart behind, that becomes the, 
kind of like a best representative, right? That's how God thinks about people. And so because that's the case, you know what? The closer you are to Jesus, the more power you have to represent him well. The farther you are from Jesus, you're still a representative of Jesus. But you just, all of a sudden, your capacity to do it, you're going to feel like, man, I, I'm working, I'm, I'm, running in the, I'm running in sand in this process. But when you're closer, you're going to feel like, wow, this thing is moving. And when you're farther away, it's going to just seem harder. And so your intimacy with God will dictate the spiritual vitality and the spiritual power to advance God's kingdom. And so some of us, we're just, God's just saying this, just be close. Do me a favor, just turn to your neighbor and say, God wants you to be close, right? What does that mean? You seek him, right? You, you give God space in your life. You try to obey the best that you can, right? You, you're in God's word. You worship. You put yourself in a, you know, you find some capacity to that. You, you, you know, you find a place of people to pray with or whatever it, this, this kind of a situation. And then, then God gives you power. Why? Because he loves you more when you do that? No. It's not. God loves you the same, to be honest, whether you're far or close. But what happens is, you're able to steward. You're able to receive what he has when you're close. You're not able to, you know, you don't get it when you're further away. Now, so what does it have to do? Because this, in this series, we want to say, what's the result of this? Is that, what is my role then? What is my role? Your role then is to change the climate of the surroundings in which you traffic. That's part of your responsibility. God's role is for you to change the climate of your surroundings. Now, in, in this building, we could have a couple different kind of uh, tools to think about the climate in the building. We could have a thermometer which tells us what? The temperature. And we can have a thermostat which does what? Regulates the temperature, right? So thermometer just will tell you it's hot does you guys ever been in a hot room uncomfortable right sticky all that kind of stuff so the thermometer though doesn't do anything about changing it it just tells you yes you're right it's hot and it's sticky but what does a thermostat do the thermostat reads that it's hot and sticky and it has influence through a cooling system to do what to change the climate. And so God is calling you to be a thermostat, not a thermometer. You're not supposed to just mirror the climate that you're in. Because if you've ever gone home in a bad mood, have you guys ever noticed that if you go home in a bad mood and you display your bad mood, does your family go like, oh, dad. He's just being himself, does it? Or does everybody else kind of get on edge? Or does your spouse kind of get a little bit more testy, right? Because your feelings, in some sense, are what? Contagious. Your feelings are contagious. And so you can be a thermostat for good, or you can be a thermostat for the opposite. And so I want to look at a passage that talks about how to be a thermostat for the best. Like some of us, when we go, you don't want to go to your, your holiday dinner because you guys have the uncle who does drink too much. You guys have the one who just says, brings up all the stupid things that you did in your life. And so you don't want to like, you just, I don't want to listen to that guy, right? I don't want to hear this grandma or this uncle or whatever. Some of us, we have that, right? Some of us, you just have stuff going on in your family right now. You just have stuff going on with your friend circle right now. You just have something going on at work in your office right now. And these things that we'll talk about like for the rest of our time, it applies in your family, it can apply in your work team, it can apply with your friends that you hang out with. If you decide, I'm gonna be a thermostat and not a thermometer. I'm not just, they talk sting, well, I'm gonna talk sting too then, right? They, they, they're gonna yell and get all excited, then I'm gonna yell and get all excited, right? That's a thermometer that does that. But a thermostat does what? 
It changes the climate. It changes the temperature. And so in Luke 10, and so I've been saying that um, if you have your Bible, do me a favor. I just don't have enough space to put all that, all this in um, the notes. But in Luke chapter 10, it says that the Lord now chose 72. Let's say 72. The Lord had how many apostles and disciples? 12. So where's this other 60 coming from? This is people who heard the message. People who would hear Jesus' preaching. They're Christians. They're followers of Jesus. They are not, because, and I think this is important because they're not apostolic leaders. You don't have to be an apostle to do the things that he's going to call them to do. Right? So, the Lord chose 72 other disciples and sent them ahead in pairs to all the towns and the places he planned to visit. And these were his instructions. He said, the harvest is great, the workers are few, so pray to the Lord who's in charge of the harvest and ask him to send more workers into his field. So he said, hey, one of the first things you can do is you can pray, right? Now go and remember that I am sending you out as lambs among wolves. So he's saying, the climate might not be that great in these places I'm gonna send you, why? Because there's conflict, there's spiritual conflict in these places. And don't take any money with you, not a traveler's bag, nor an extra pair of sandals, and don't stop to greet anyone on the road. So be purposeful, right? Know your, know your mission, right? He's saying, and then don't trust in your money. Your money cannot change the climate. You know, your, you know, your new shoes cannot change the climate. It doesn't matter about those things. And then he says this, when you enter someone's home, first say, may God's peace be on this house. So what is that saying? Be a blessing and not a critic, right? Be a blessing and not a critic. If you wanna change the atmosphere in your home or in your family or in this workplace, is you gotta bless where you live and you traffic. Do not curse what you want God to bless. If you want God to bless your marriage, don't, don't curse your family. Don't curse your marriage, right? You want God to change the atmosphere in your home, then don't just complain about your house. Don't, don't just complain. Because like, to be honest, does everybody's house have stuff that you know, you, you, you've been meaning to get to? Anybody have that? Yeah, I got it. Yeah, I have plenty of stuff I've been meaning to get to. My wife, she could complain about a number of half-finished projects, right? I don't know why I brought that up. Now I'm going to hear it after the sermon. No, but I'm just kidding. But she could, but she doesn't. She doesn't. Because the thing is that when you curse, when you complain, when you judge, you do all those things. You know what? You're being a thermostat. Or sometimes you're just reflecting what you get, but the thing is, you're not bringing the temperature to the right climate, right? And so, what do you do? You bless your family, you pray for the peace. When you see your relatives, or you see your kids, or you see, you hug them and you're just telling, wow, you're so precious, you're such a gift from God to me, right? That, that sound good? Does that sound like something that you could do? It's like, man, you're so precious, I, I'm so thankful that you're, my spouse, I'm so thankful that you're my child, I'm so thankful that you're my dad or my mom. Does that mean that they're perfect? No, but what are you doing? You're blessing them. You're proclaiming the favor of God on them. And, and the thing is that I, I was thinking about how I was gonna share this in some sense today and and I, I had this, like, to be honest, I don't often get, but I got a dream. And in the dream, I just saw, like, water going up a hill in this dream. And I go, like, that is so weird. Water doesn't go uphill, right? And I just thought about it, and I was praying to God, what, is that, what does that mean? I feel like this is a message from you. But I don't know, water don't go uphill. And then I just kind of went around my day, right? And when I was prepping this part in the message, I just felt like the Lord said, there's some people that think I have no power to change the climate in my home because I'm not the leader, because I'm not the parent, because I'm not the, you know, I don't have this, uh, you're, 
you're the sixth of the seventh kid or whatever the case. You don't feel like you have the position. But here's the thing. When you bless, you know what happens? You cause water to go uphill. When you declare the favor of God, hey, you know what, uncle, I just want to say, man, God bless you. Good to see you. So nice to see you. When you bless people, you know what, even if you don't have power, you know what God says? It's like you cause the anointing to go uphill. You might have zero power, but God can empower you when you just stand in His way. Because God wants to empower those who represent Him well, right? And so speak God's favor or those you're trying to have influence, right? You might not have any power, right? But the power comes from God. Declare it over them. Bless them. Is there somebody that right now that you need to just thank them for what they've done rather than to criticize them for what they haven't done? Right? And maybe that's the kind of a thing. You see this aspect, right? That, that speak favorably. Speak God's blessing. And to be honest, in some ways, the new age person might just say, oh, the vibe just changed. And the vibe will change. But it's not just the vibe. It's a spiritual principle at work. The Spirit of God empowers what you bless. Right? He goes on and he says this. So he says, then when you enter someone's home, first say, God, peace on this house. And he says, so if those who live there are peaceful, the blessing will stand. If they are not, the blessing will return to you. And so some of us are saying, but you know what? They're not that nice, <laughs> the person that you want to bless, right? They're not that great. You know, it's not that great to see them. <laughs> You're thinking like this. But this is what God says. When you bless them, if they are not blessable, God says, you know what? It's going to return to you. God will have grace on you because you obeyed him and you spoke what he said to speak, not what you felt like speaking. You don't have to listen to your emotions all the time. Sometimes your emotions lie. You guys ever, you guys, I hope you guys realize that, right? Sometimes your emotions, they're not true. They just lie to you, right? So here's the thing. Now, you might have been hurt. You might have been disrespected. But you're blessing, why? Because God's blessed you. If God's blessed you, think about how God's blessed you. And this is what he said. Freely give what you have freely received. Did God actually tell you, you know, you're such a loser. I don't know why I love you or called you to. If you hear a voice like that, you know that's not God, right? You probably sense the, just the love of God, even sometimes on your worst moments. You guys ever been in that place? In my worst moments, I have felt just grace and love from God at times. Why does God want me to experience that? So in other people are in their worst moments, I can give them grace. I just freely give what I have freely received. And then he goes on though. And he says, and whenever... Um, and don't ex hesitate to accept a hospitality. I'm going to just um, jump down to a little bit. And it says this, if you enter a town and it welcomes you, eat whatever is set before you. And then it says this, heal the sick and tell them the kingdom of God is near you now. Now, when I first read this a long time ago, you know what I thought? Like, oh yeah, if I could just walk around and somebody was sick and I just said, be healed in Jesus' name and they just walk around. It's like, of course, everybody's going to listen, right? That's what I used to think. And it's like, okay, well, that's why it doesn't work for me, right? Because I don't have that ability, right? And, but over time, what I began to realize is that healing is not just an apostolic gift. Healing is a gifting, and it might have different degrees, but healing is an ability that God gives to a believer, and I think all believers. Do me a favor, say all believers. You might have different measure of this ability, but it happens when we operate in faith and obedience. And so I believe that one of the things that you and I are called to do is to pray for healing for brothers and sisters, for people, boys and girls, right? That you're called to pray for healing. Can I give you like a snapshot about how to pray for healing? 
Okay, and I want you to, if you don't, if you haven't been writing notes, I want you to write this down. And think about it first like this. So, because, I'll, I'll say it like this. I, I went to um, the hospital on Tuesday, and Tuesday or Wednesday, I can't remember, but um, somebody was sick, came home sick from the mainland, uh, went straight to the hospital. Last week, Thursday. Been in the hospital since. Infected kidneys, COVID, and some kind of a GI bacterial infection that they couldn't control. So it was Tuesday, they'd been in the hospital the whole time, and, and so I just wanted to go visit. So I went to go visit. I called the husband and um, told me, yeah, yeah, you can go. And I, I wasn't gonna go, because I was busy. I was, we, we were gonna have like young adults group at my house and all this kind of stuff, and I said, I cannot, I can't go, I'm supposed to cook chicken or whatever. Uh, but I'm gonna go Wednesday. But when I called and I asked, how are you doing? She says, I'm worse. I said, like, how, it's like my pain is like an eight. It's like, it's worse than when I got here. So I said, oh, geez, I went home, I told my wife, you know, like, oh, she was cooking something already. So I didn't have to cook. So I just went to the hospital. And I went to the hospital and I just talked to her, you know, they made me wear like the gown and the mask and like, I go, wow, I never had to do that before, but gown, gloves, mask and all that. And I just went in and I, I talked to her for a while, asked her, you know, and I just said, hey, can I pray for you? And I said, can I be, when I pray, I'm just gonna be quiet for a little while because I wanna hear if the Lord has something to do. And I just prayed for her and I left. <clears throat> and then I kind of forgot about it, <laughs> to be honest, until yesterday. And then yesterday, like my wife asked me, oh, how's she doing? I go, oh, shoot, I never asked. So I called the husband, because she didn't have her phone. And he goes like, hey, how's so-and-so doing? And he said this, you're not going to believe. And I said, and when somebody tells you you're not going to believe what happened, you got to ask them, are you going good kind not believe or bad kind not believe, right? Like, before I say anything. And he goes like, good. He said, like, I went to the hospital the day after you prayed and she just looked different. She's like, she was different. And then she went home, right? And then he said this, you know, like, hey, I like go to church on Sunday and I like stand up there and just tell them, you know what? Wow, pastor, you're the real deal. <laughs> And I told him, this is what I said. You know what? I can heal nothing. I can heal absolutely nothing. It's Jesus who healed her, right? So this is how you think about healing. You are like a waiter. You are like a waiter. You go and you ask somebody who's like, you know, you see them, it's distressed. They might be emotional, might be physical, could be relational. You ask them, how are you doing? And then you ask them, Hey, what would you want Jesus to do for you? What does the waiter do? Oh, um, what would you like to order tonight, right? And then this is what you do with the order. The waiter goes and he takes the order to the kitchen, right? And so then you take that order and you go to the master chef and you say, this is what this person wanted. But then you also ask the chef, this is the difference. That some, you guys know what is omakase? Chef's choice. You go sushi bar, gonna cost more money, frankly, but it's omakase, is they're gonna give you whatever is fresh. They're gonna give you whatever, that's his creation. And usually omakase blows out of the water what you would have ordered. So you just say, but by the way, is there any omakase, is there any, Lord, what do you wanna say? Is there something that you want done? And then if he says no omakase today, then you just say, you take that what they ordered, and then you go bring that to that person. You go pray for that thing. If there is something, some special, then you say, what is that special? So when I went there, I felt there was something that I wanted to pray for, but then the rest was obviously, she just was in so much pain and discomfort. We just, I just prayed for that. And so, and that's all you do. That's really all you're doing. And so you listen, you bring that before God, but you ask him, God, is there something you want to do? This is, but some of us we're thinking, well, but I ask God and I, I don't hear anything. Most of the time I'm asking God to tell me, is there something else? Most of the time I would say, 
I don't hear anything most of the time. But I'm prayful what they asked. But the time that I do hear it and I say it, you can tell the difference, right? You go like, oh my gosh, that's exactly, right? That kind of, well, just the tears start coming out. You go, oh, okay. The more you practice, the better you'll get. The more you pray for people, the more you'll begin to hear. And so that's all you do. And then to be honest, after you prayed, I would ask you to do this. And after you pray, by the way, you don't have to pray like in the name and bind every single thing. And like, you don't have to like, I used to pray like that. I used to think like, I'm gonna pray once. I gotta make this the biggest wind up that I can, right? And then as soon as I pray, like this is why I never used to wanna pray because like, what if I pray and what? Nothing happens. I'm just like you, right? What if I pray and nothing happens? This is what, this is what I came to. Well, at least I didn't make it worse, <laughs> right? And you know what? I never gave them the problem in the first place. They had the problem before I came. Like, so I, I'm sorry, like, like literally that went through my mind. I had to think about that. At least I'm not making them worse. And they had the problem before I met them. I never gave them the problem. But here's the other thing is I asked them how, generally I asked them how you feel now. Because sometimes they're gonna say like, wow, I feel different. I feel lighter, it's like the pain is gone, whatever, they're gonna say. And sometimes they're gonna say, and you can be honest, I feel exactly the same. Guess what, I hear sometimes, I feel exactly the same. I don't feel bad, I'm only the waiter. Does that mean? But you know what they feel, that at least you listened and you prayed. I would say many times they actually feel quite different. And the more you practice, the more it will work in that way. Because you just get better at hearing the order and then delivering what the real master wants to do. That's my thing. And there's people, to be honest, that they've become believers because God healed them. There's people that should be dead in this church, like literally should be dead, but they're not because God healed them. And so that's part of that. He goes on and he says this. So he says to the disciples, anyone who accepts your message is also accepting me. And anyone who rejects you is rejecting me. Anyone who's rejecting me is rejecting God who sent me. And then it says, when the 72 disciples returned, they joyfully reported to him, Lord, even what? The demons obey us when we use your name. And then Jesus said this, look, man, I saw Satan falling from heaven, but I've given you authority over all the power of the enemy, and you can walk among snakes and scorpions and crush them. Nothing will injure you. But don't rejoice because evil spirits obey you. Rejoice because your names are registered in heaven. So when I told that brother, I just said, <laughs> I can do nothing. But the Lord did everything. And so don't take the credit. Give the credit back to God, right? Don't steal God's glory because he doesn't share it with anybody, right? Um, that's not a good thing. But when you do, you pray for your families. When I, I'm, I'm really encouraging that when you go to your holiday, you go to your Thanksgiving dinner, it's gonna be somebody in your, holiday, in your Thanksgiving dinner who's not doing that great. Pray for them, bless them. Be a thermostat for good. Pray for the healing. You know what? People don't really expect you to heal them anyway, right? They know you. <laughs> like, we went to school together. Like, you're not good at But here's the thing. It's like when God touches them, they'll know the difference that it was God. And I would say this. It matters that you intercede, that you dare to change the climate in your family. It dares to make a difference in your office, in your workplace, in your larger family, sometimes in the church family. 
I just want to close with this. I know I, I've gone long here. I just looked at the time. Sorry. You guys watch Lord of the Rings? You guys might not know, but these two generally small individuals that they end up going through like crazy, difficult situations in the places to kind of resolve evil in their world. And there's this one part in the second movie or in the second book where this character Sam is talking to Frodo. And they've just gone through this giant battle and he's just like, they're exhausted. And he says it like this, he says this. It's like in the great stories, Mr. Frodo, the ones that really mattered. They were full of darkness and danger they were. And sometimes you didn't want to know the end because how could the end be happy? How could the world go back to the way it was when so much bad has happened? But in the end, it's only a passing thing, this shadow. Even darkness must pass. A new day will come. And even when the sun shines, it will shine even clearer. And those were the stories that stayed with you. They meant something. Even if you are too small to understand why. But I think, Mr. Frodo, I do understand now. Folk in those stories had lots of chances of turning back, only they didn't. They kept going because they were holding on to something. And Frodo says this, what were they holding on to, Sam? That there's some good in this world and it's worth fighting for. Your family is worth fighting for. Your work life is worth fighting for. This world is worth fighting for. Amen? Amen. Let's bow our heads. It's close. Father, we're thankful that we don't have to be an apostle for the miraculous to happen. Lord, what is necessary is for your people to recognize we're not just supposed to mirror the difficulties that we face. We're not just supposed to give back what we were given. We were called to be a thermostat. Lord, in the best possible way, you're called to be a climate changer. <laughs> and this is what you have to do. Just say, God, would you start changing the climate in me first? God, I want to be closer. God, I... I'm surrendering to you. Lord, this holiday season, Lord, I don't want to give what I got from people. I want to give what I got from you. Lord, freely I have received. Freely I will give. Thank you. I receive that you've given me the authority to represent you because I belong to you. Fill me with your spirit. Fill me with your presence. Fill me with your power. For your kingdom's glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hey, thanks, guys. God bless you. Thank you for tuning in to the New Hope Couple A Messages podcast. We hope you enjoyed this weekend's message and that it brought you inspiration and encouragement in your journey of faith. If you'd like to listen to more messages or stay connected with us, visit our website at newhopecapole.org or follow us on social media. Remember, no matter where you are in life, there is always hope and a new beginning in Christ. So let's continue to grow and learn together as we pursue a life of purpose and impact. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you next time. Aloha and God bless.